So, for a little pre-sermon, for those who have, I was at one point thinking about just scrapping these pre-sermons, because many times it just turns into a sermon, so I was thinking about, in, in days gone by, in the yesterday days gone by, just to eliminate them, but <laughs> I had enough feedback, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, I'm going to do it one more time, and maybe the next time, we'll see. But um, did you ever get to a place in life where you, God has asked you to do something and you like, God, I can't do that. I mean, that's above me. I can't. You know, you feel a little bit discouraged and you're like, God, this is more than I can handle. <clears throat> well, this morning, well, last night I didn't sleep very good. I didn't get much sleep, which is pretty normal when I have to speak Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, sometimes... In our prayer life, you know, we end up giving God a lot of advice. We end up complaining a lot to God and telling Him how terrible life is and life isn't fair and yada, 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 and we go down this pathway. Instead of praising and worship the God who made the vast universe and created and gave us life eternal. Okay? So today, um, this is by way of confession. This morning, this morning I got up early and I was uh, in, in, in mode number one. I was in mode that uh, complaining to God, like, God, this is too much. You know, and I, I was just telling, I was telling God, I was feeling sorry for myself. You know, I have to speak again this morning, and I didn't have really a lot of clarity of thought, and yet I felt like there's this passage of Scripture that I've read multiple times this week. And uh, so I said, well, the first things we're going to do, we're going to make coffee. Maybe that'll fix the problem. So, so I go to our coffee cup drawer, the coffee was getting, being made, and I go to my coffee cup, and I just inverly grab the cup. And what do you think that cup said? Now, I have all kinds of cups in there. I got Thermo King cups, I got John Deere cups, I got uh, cups that have scripture on them, I have cups that have names written on them, I have all these cups, okay? And they're just stacked in there deep, tall and long and wide. What do you think this cup said? Let me read you a verse. And here it was a here was a scripture cup. It said, taken out of 2 Corinthians 12, it said this, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon thee. Then it was, this cup was clear full of this. Some of it was, this cup was washed many times. The verbiage was pretty much washed off down at the bottom. It says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and, tre- and dis- distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I looked at that verse and I said, God, you are good. This is exactly what I needed this morning. So, you know, just over a coffee cup, you know, that God could speak to the depth of our heart, to the needs of our heart, through just a coffee cup and getting a coffee. And so all this bemoaning and complaining and all this, all this uh, dialoguing with God and, and all this information I was feeding God that, that, you know, life isn't fair and life, you know, you know, I don't have a message this morning, and here we sit. And then I get the coffee cup, and this is what it tells me. 
God says, when, my, when you are weak, then I, then I can be strong. Then I will make you strong. I am there to pick you up. I am there to lift up the hands that hang down. I am there to strengthen the knees that are weak. I am there to the flax that is broken down to smoke. And I am there to, to, to rekindle the fire. I am there for you. I am there to pick you up. I am there to make you strong when you feel weak. I am there to heal the wound of your heart. I am there to be everything to you that you need. I will give you. I'm here to to help you. And so this morning, if you take your Bibles, and let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. So I've read this, the first portion of this passage multiple times this week. And I'm just trying to get a handle on what, and trying to get a handle, what is this trying to tell me? This morning, I'm going to do something a little different. Many years ago, um, and I was trying to think who it was, but many years ago, myself and this, I don't know who it was, we went to a Russian church right over here in Lebanon. And so one of the things they did, I didn't understand a word of it. There was a guy there beside me. He knew Russian. He was interpreting just kind of the highlights of the message. So I, we poor English boys, American boys, could understand what he was saying. So, but I noticed when they read the Scripture, they all stood. So I would like for those who care to, let's, let's stand as we read the Scripture for those who care to. You know, they stood because of out of um, honor to God. <clears throat> I beseech you, brethren, this is taken out of Romans 12. Let's just read, I'm going to, uh, my thoughts taken from the first 13 verses, but let's just read the whole chapter. Because I feel whatever is being said this morning, the most important is what is in this book. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, it, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, body and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, prophesy according to the proportion of, our, of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affected one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Disputing the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and 
curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you. you may be seated. Unless I forget, Jonah. Are you a bashful guy? Maybe. You're a king. So when it gets 10 till 12, can you raise your hand? That way I won't want you. Can you do that? And when it gets 12 o'clock, you raise both hands, okay? We'll shut her down. You can do that? Because the guy I had in mind, I said, whoever sits in that chair, I'll have him do the job. He wasn't there, so I took the other end, okay? That's how we got there. Okay, thank you. That's your contribution to the church today. Okay, Romans 12. So here's, here's my thought. As I was reading these verses, especially the first three verses, and then we moved on south from there. But I was thinking, I was rereading this verse, these first three verses, by the mercy of God, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And as I was reading that, uh, multiple times this week, I was like, what does that mean? How do we do that? How does it apply to me? Am I doing it? Where do, how do we get there? Um, all these questions were coming to my mind. And in verse 2 it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I do that? How do I get there? Where are we going with that? And that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this morning, I'm just going to share some thoughts. As I was writing down this morning, some pencil and some thoughts down, and um, I was just like... Okay, how are we going to get there? And I'm not here to say that I have all the answers that I have attained. I am pressing toward that mark. I am trying to get there. And God, what are you asking of me personally? You know, it's easy to say, you know, just like what was in the book today this morning. You know, this guy that thought that he's looking for the perfect church. Well, you know what? Just be who you're supposed to be where God has put you. And, and be that missionary in Halsey, Oregon, if that's what it takes. And be that person. If God don't move you past Halsey, Oregon, then be the missionary. Be the person you're supposed to be. Speak out for Christ where you, you are. Be the pulpit that be in the pulpit that God has put you. And uh, so, like, are, am I presenting my body as a living sacrifice? Is it holy? Is it acceptable unto God? You know, all these types of things that have, maybe I'm just overthinking it. But, you know, God, you have something here for me. And, you know, I'm just going to share from my heart. And if the shoe fits on your foot, wear it. And, and let's go together and try to find this place. Okay, we're going to run out of time. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to start in here. As a Christian, we need to be moving toward maturity and finding a place of service. So here you go, uh, Brother King, uh, Jeremy. There you go for your, for your uh, thingamajig, your, your title. Finding a place of service. You got that? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> so sometimes, as we as people in our churches, we have this, we have this 
uh, clergy or the pastors and the preachers, then we have this laity, and we get this thing all mixed up. And sometimes we look at the pastors and the preachers and the teachers and all these people, we put them on a higher level than we probably really should. You know, to get, to, I would like to promote the thought that, you know, this is just a job, this is just a, a calling that God has given these men, as we have pastors in this congregation. God has just given them a different job than maybe he has given you or I. But, you know, we are all pushing toward that mark, toward the, 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 uh, to present our bodies a living sacrifice. <clears throat> in, the, in the pastors, in the clergy, it refers to pastors and teachers, those in leadership. The laity refers to those who are in the pew. And uh, those of you who are in a pew, that are, that are holding down a pew, you know, I, I would much rather look at it like we're all part of God's kingdom. We are all trying to push toward and, and promote the things of God and the God's kingdom. We're all in the business of serving the Lord. God has given to us, every, every one of us, a ministry or a place of service. In Romans 1, it says, it talks about your reasonable service. What does that mean? How are we going to get there? We'll talk about that a little later. <clears throat> Leader, if you look it up, the reasonable service literally means your logical ministry. Or, so I had to look up, okay, let's see, for the younger ones here, clear, uh, logical means to a clear, re- sound reasoning, clear thinking. It only, makes God, it only makes sense that God would put into his, put put us into his ministry. Who else does he have but those who want to follow God, those who want to, want to uh, pursue God, those who have dedicated themselves to God? You know, I'm talking to the Christian here this morning. I'm not talking just to this church, but also as in the broader, broader scope of things, to the church of Jesus and those who, who claim the name of Christ. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit uh, a little bit later. <clears throat> Many Christians... Maybe there's some here, myself, many Christians and myself find ourselves floundering around in our Christian life. Why? Why do we do that? We don't, ha- we don't find true fulfillment. Why don't I find f- uh, true fulfillment? We're going to try to answer some of these questions. They, we do not want to know what it is that God wants us to do. Why would you want to serve in God's kingdom? Why would you want to be promoting Christ and not figuring out what God wants you to do? And, you know, there's God has work for you to do. There is much work to do, as we heard in our book study this morning. You know, we live, we live with neighbors who do not know the name of Christ. We work with people who do not know Christ. And are we uh, being a light to them? <clears throat> it is time that we discover our ministry, our place of service as a church, as individuals. I'm not talking about the churches out there. I'm talking about church, this church. I'm talking about churches that we would identify with. Are we finding our place where God wants us to? We are living in desperate times. We are living when militant atheism is on the march. It is marching forward. You know, why is it so many people, they don't believe in God. Even people who once went to church or who named the name of Christ are falling away. And it says in the last days that many will will wax, wax cold and many will fall away in that last day. Why? Satan is on a war path. And you know, we, and let's just stop here. We need revival that cannot be explained. I have this penciled in. We need a revival that cannot be explained by philosophy, psychology, and promotion of propaganda. We need something that goes 
deep within our hearts and, and changes us from the inside out. Moral standards have, have toppled and we are shucking things over our left shoulder, right, left center. You know, what's happening to, 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 to the moral standards of this country, even within our church? Things that are, are being accepted, accepted in our churches across this land that would have never been accepted 10, 15 years ago. Why? Do you think social media has anything to do with it? Here, here's one. I got penciled in here. Hollywood is, is setting the standard for our children. You like that? Are you good with that? Hollywood is setting the standard for our children. Now, how much do you think Hollywood affects us today? I bet you a little more than what we'd like to admit. I was listening to a sermon, and we're just going to take a little break here. I was listening to a sermon last night, and uh, he said something that caught my attention. And I think this happened over in England, and this happened many years ago. And uh, there, there was, a, and you may, you may think this is a little humorous, but I was blown away. Um, but over in England, this lady came to church, and there was another lady, and I don't know if she was a church lady or what she was, but she came to church with, um, without her stockings on. Okay? And there's this other lady that went to her pastor, and she had a big problem with that, that this lady came to church without her stockings on. You know, she got all revved up, and she went to this pastor, and this pastor told her, he said, do you know that if you would back up time long enough that the stocking issue started with, um, with ladies who were not good people? They were immoral people. And I'm sitting there like, what? And he went and told her the story how stockings became part of our society. And he said, when the Queen of England started wearing stockings, um, it became accepted across the board. Now, how much is Hollywood affecting how we think? I guarantee you it affects us more than what we would like to admit. We have, God help us, in a church that we have not done this, but I'm talking about society now. We have glamorized adultery, we have liquorized society, and we have humanized God. Trust me, I have a brother-in-law who's a new ager to the core of his heart. And it is amazing. And you know, you might find this a little strange, but I kind of find it enjoyable to talk to him. <laughs> because I like to see what he's going to say next. It is so far away from God. And you know, we, we humanize God. God is this God, this supreme being who, who made the creation, who, who put the stars in their orbit. And the Bible says, and he called them by name. And we, you know, if we're, we're going to have a child, we get all the name books out. We like, oh, we don't like this name and that. God, he has all these names of these stars and they even, they even sing together. And you know, it's amazing to me. I kind of get a kick out of, of looking and reading about all these things. And God, how do you do that? 
And yet God, He created this universe and the vast universe. The bigger the telescopes, the more they see. And the more they see, the more they're amazed. Why would you even think that? Why would you even think like that? Well, of course it's going to be like that. Because God has made it and ordained it that way. And these things that never get out of orbit. They, they, how does this all happen? How does this all happen? And it says that He made it by the word of His mouth. And here we're going, to be, we're going to be plowing pretty close to the corner here. And yet in our churches, I, we, sit unconcerned, indifferent, full of apathy about the lost world around us. But the good news is, in spite of all the debauchery and sin that we see all around us, there is a waking hunger for for the Word of God. There are people who are turning to God and spiritual things. People are asking if the Bible is true or if there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are living in the last days. We're in a race against sin and Satan and self. And let's find out what our ministry, our service, our Lord has for us in in our neighborhood, businesses, and our families and such like. And here we go. I have four principles. I have four things I'd like to share with you this morning. That was just an introduction. A principle. The first principle, write this down. The principle of lordship. So I, I looked up the word. What does lordship really mean? What does that word mean? Anyone want to take a guess? What does lordship mean? George? Abe? What would you say it means? Someone that's over you? That's good. We have a couple teachers in the audience. What do you think it means? A master. Okay, I like that. I wrote down, and this is kind of what it means. I acknowledge his over ownership and gives up my personal rights and total unreserved obedience to Jesus. Let's turn to Romans 14, verse 8. It says this, whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, we die, we are the Lord's. So where we are, we're just under God's arrest here this morning. And um, let's read the the first three verses. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may tr- prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and so forth and so on. And God is asking this. He said, I beseech you. God is asking through Brother Paul. He is asking. He is saying, I beseech you. This is God's request to us. So God has a request. You know, many times in prayer and as we pray for revival, we are beseeching God for the souls of men. We are beseeching God that he would send revival in this congregation. And you know, I don't know who came up with this, but I think it's a profound thought process. You know, let's have a revival service at this church. You know, I grew up, I didn't know what revival meetings were all about. Our church where we grew up, we didn't have a week of revival meetings. I moved out here, we're having revival meetings. I knew kind of somewhat is about revival meetings, but we didn't have revival meetings. And a week-long meeting? Oh man, I mean, that was a stretch this boy. But, you know, it's good. And I told my wife one time, I said, what would happen if a church would announce, we're going to have revival meetings on, on, on week XYZ. We're going to have this week of revival meetings. And what would happen, you know, if, if we would just, and the, 
you know, this probably wouldn't fly. This would probably be very strange in some church, in some churches. And we would have this week of revival meetings. And so the people, who's the evangelist? And they all gather in together Monday, morning, Monday evening at 730 when the meeting's supposed to start. And the preacher and the pastor of the church, he stands up and says, uh, uh, Jesus is going to be our evangelist. And we're going to spend the next six, seven days at 7.30 every night in this congregation. We are going to get on our faces before God and we are going to pray for revival. What would happen? And so what I heard several weeks ago that this, I, we were gone on a trip when this, the first time this happened. God bless you, whoever, whoever came up with this thought. You know, we're going to pray every day for a week that God would send revival to this congregation. Here we are this week again, praying that God would send revival. And as we pour out our hearts in the behalf of others, in our own hearts, the own needs in our heart, that God would send revival in our hearts and our lives. That God wants to transform us and not conform us. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. <clears throat> so as God is beseeching you, have we answered his request? Ask yourself this. Have we answered his request? You know, he came to save us. He came to, he died for us. He rose to save us. He lives to save, to save us. And as soon, very soon, he is coming again to take us home. And this all happened because of God's mercy toward us. And we are His. We are, the Bible says we are, we are His. We are not our own. We, the Bible also says we are bought with a price. And I ask this question. Have, did God get all that He purchased out of you? It did. Is He getting everything He purchased? Now, you know what? If you go to a store... And you say, I'm, and, and you get overcharged, you get charged for things that you did not purchase or, or, or you got charged for things that you paid for but did not get that are supposed to be part of the deal. How would you feel? You'd be like, wait a minute. Time out. I paid for A, B, C, D, X, D, and I didn't get any of it. I did not get everything I purchased. I asked you the question this morning. Did God get everything he purchased from you? We are bought with a price. Concentrate, concentrate, I can't even say the word. Concentration. What does that mean? Write this down. I found this, I found this quote. Consecration is not giving God anything. It is taking your hands off of what, of that which already belongs to him. I'll read it again. Consecration is not giving God anything. It is taking our hands off of that which already belongs to Him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 20. It says this, For we are bought with a price, therefore glory God, glorify God in, in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. Isn't that what we already said? <clears throat> what are the requirements of this? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You, you, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Romans, I've taken out of Romans 12.1. I yield myself. God will make, not make you do it. God is a, a gentleman. There are, no draft, there are no draftees in God's army. <clears throat> 
Everyone in God's army is a volunteer. You know, are you willing to sign in? Are you willing to sign in to God's army? Are you willing to say, God, I'm all yours. Here I am. Use me. Make me what you want to be. I am coming with nothing. You have to fill me. You have to use me as you see fit. Whether it's being the doorkeeper or whether it's being Apostle Paul or Apostle Peter. It, it matters little. And I've said that many times here. It matters little to me how God wants to use me. Whether big or small, small or great, it don't matter. God, I just want to be part of your kingdom. I want to be part of building your kingdom. Let my pulpit be wherever I'm standing. Is that okay with you? Is that okay? We are to present ourselves a living sacrifice. This sacrifice is personal. No one can, no one can uh, do it for you. You know, sometimes you just want to do these things for people. Just get them to see it or make, you know, I wish I could do it for you. I wish I could take the pain. I wish I could take the heartache. If my friend Dave, that's down in, down in uh, Mexico. You know, is there something I could do other than pray for him? And, uh, you know, but I can't. You know, sometimes a child that, that smashed your finger, oh, you wish so hard, oh, it's so bad you could take the pain for them. But, you know, nobody can do it for you. You have to do it yourself <clears throat> by God's grace. One reason many Christians, one reason many people do not have a ministry of service or uh, service for Christ or know the will or the power of God is because we are not willing to die to ourselves. What does that mean? We are not willing to be a living sacrifice. Okay, go with me a little bit. So in the Old Testament, when they had the, the sacrifices, when they threw that old cow up on top of the altar, do you think that thing gave one loud ball and jumped off? Do you think it happened? John, do you think it happened? Why do you think? Why don't you think? He don't, he's not a grand. Why don't you think it happened? Real quick. The gold calf? Well, a, a cow you like. Like a real animal, like the black and white cow. Let's go with black Angus. Because they killed it. And what happens when you kill it? It dies. It dies. It dies to what? It dies to self. We have to die to ourselves. You know, when we get on that altar, we need to get everything on there. Legs, arms, feet, toes. Just like the Bible school superintendent told me one day. You need to be all in bed. Legs, feet, toes, at all. Not hanging over the edge. When I die, we have no more rights of ourselves. When I die, we have no more rights to ourselves. Now, ooh, that's a little tough. You know, I want my rights. My family, my plans, my ambitions, my future. It all belongs to God. You know, am I good with that? It says in, in, in verse 1, it says holy. What does that word holy mean? That word holy is also, as I found, is related to holy. Okay? Let's, uh, let's use the blackboard. Okay? I'm not really into, into this. I'm not a teacher, so I'm going to try to learn. So we have the word holy, like this. 
But this word also relates into this word. Let's see if I can spell it. Which means total. Okay? So we were supposed to be a holy sacrifice, a living sacrifice, which means holy, which means total. Okay? You get that? It means holy. No, no half. God is not going to accept a half, a half a sacrifice. I never quite seen a half a sacrifice. Half the cow is alive and half of it's dead. And back in the Old Testament, it was all on there. Are you all on the altar? <clears throat> Does God have all of me? Does He have all? These are questions I had to ask myself. Does He have the all of me? Or do I want a little bit to li- do I want a little bit of me left? You know, this is not a once a time, once a lifetime deal where, you know, God, here we are. I'm all yours. Use me as it sees best to you. And somehow that I can build your kingdom. This needs to be a daily thing. God, today I yield myself again as a member in your body and your army and your, your kingdom, Lord. Here's my all. And many times the self wants to, the self wants to come alive. It's like I heard this pastor years ago. He, t- he was saying this guy, and I'm not promoting this in any way, shape, or form, or size, or whatever. But this guy went to commit suicide. He went to, he went to hang himself. And he, and he um, had a chair underneath. And he said, the guy was, came in there and seen what was going on. He said, what, what, I mean, you can't. He said, what are you trying to do? He said, I'm trying to kill myself. He said, well, you can't do that. You, oh, no, sorry, let me back up. He had, to, he had the rope around it underneath his arm, around right here. He said, what are you trying to do? He said, well, I'm trying to kill myself. He said, well, you can't do it that way. You've got to put it around your neck. He said, well, I tried and I can't breathe. That is the problem with Christianity today. We want to allow self to breathe. I want to be a part of the altar. I am going to say what's going to be on that altar. You know, I put it around my neck and, and put, it, put myself in the altar so there's no more of Glenn left. But I want to put it around here. So I can breathe. I want to live. I want to. I don't want to get on that altar and die. <clears throat> I don't know the will of God, and the reason I don't want to know the will of God because I don't want to get bound down. God might ask me to do something or ask something of me that I don't want to do. You know, to my embarrassment, to my shame, as my younger days, you know what? This is the way I thought. And I'm embarrassed to tell you this. And I'm ashamed to tell you this. Because God has so much changed my thought process and changed me so much. It's unbelievable. You know what? When I first became a Christian, if you want to even call that, Christianity. But this is what I thought. You know what? I'm just going to have enough of God in my life to keep me out of hell. That was good enough. Because I was afraid what God will ask me to do, and I was not willing to go there. Because if God has a call in your life, and it is something that I do not want to do, God, I cannot do that. I am not going to go there. But until I was willing to Bend the knee, bow the heart, bow the knee, and say, God, I'm all yours. I've tried on my own. I have failed. I I have nothing but misery. I need that inner peace. I need what that guy over there has, and more. Mm. 
that all happened in the middle of nowhere, in an electrical room on the middle of Montana. And God met me there. I was afraid to give God all because of what he might ask me to do. You know what? But the problem is, I wanted all his blessings without the commitment. That is the problem. I want all God's blessings on my life, in my life, without the commitment. And you cannot have that. If you want the blessing, if you want all God's blessings, you have to, have the, you have to be committed to him. Worship is putting myself on the altar and letting God consume me until there is none of myself and all of him. Write that down. Worship is putting myself on the altar and letting God consume me until there is none of myself left, but all of him. That's all that's left. In Romans 12, 2, it talks about we are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are not to be conformed. We are not to be conformed to this world. We are not supposed to allow Satan to squeeze us into the mold of this world. But we are supposed to be transformed. You know what? Again, we're going to plow close to the corn. Our churches, trust me, I have visited a lot of churches in my day, and I still enjoy getting into different churches. And I ask the question many times, how many of of us are conforming and not transformed? There is a huge difference between transformation and being just conformed. God does not want to conform you into looking like a Christian. You know, how many of us, if we were just conforming to Christianity, would be walking in on crutches today? Just ask yourself. If I am just a conforming Christian, how many of us would be rolling in here with wheelchairs and walkers and crutches? You ask yourself. If that is an indication of my spiritual walk in my spiritual life. Where we hang our coats is probably not big enough in, in our churches. I'm not talking about just this congregation. I'm talking across the board in our Anabaptist churches. <clears throat> We're supposed, to be trans- we're supposed to be transformed into his image. Let's go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Verse 2. You know, when Jesus went up into the Mount of Transfiguration, and this is what it says. And after six days, this is starting in verse, verse 1 of chapter 17 of Matthew, and it says, after six days, Jesus, Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And was his transfiguration, and was changed. That transfiguration means changed before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. When you meet God, it changes you. There is a different countenance about you. There's a different light in your eyes. There's not this dark look. I remember attending a Bill Gothard seminar, and he changed. He talked about some of those things. What happens when you become trans? When you become transformed, our inner nature it becomes more like Jesus. The devil tries to conform you and think it's okay for you to be conformed. So as the devil comes and tries to conform you, he does not want you to get trans- transformed. He wants to conform you. Why? 
so that we will not be transformed, that the nature of Jesus will not come to the surface. That the nature of Jesus would not come to the surface. And you know what? If you have the nature of Jesus, you are a threat to his kingdom. And you know what? If you, if, if you and I allow Christ to change us from the inside out, and this transformation comes, goes on, and this process, and this is an ongoing process until the day we get stuck in the casket. If we allow God to transform us more into his image, Satan, you are an enemy of this earth, of Satan. <clears throat> Satan wants to conform you. And if you are a conformed Christian this morning, here this morning, you are, Satan's good with you. He's, he's okay with you. And when there's transformation, then there's a, going to be a revelation. Taken out of, taken out of Romans um, 2 and 3 here, it says, um, the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, that, what, it, what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We will know what the will of God is. There is no, there, it is no longer my mind. It is the mind of Christ. I will have the mind of Christ. I will think not with human rationality or human intellect or human reasoning, but, be, but by divine guidance. I'm not going to have all this humanistic thinking going on. But you know what? I will be guided by divine guiding, guidance. The second thing, the principle of membership. Well, we only got 10 minutes left. It's taken out of Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. It talks about the church and the body and how we're supposed to function together. The church is an interdependent body with Jesus Christ as a head. Interdependent inter, um, means to depend on each other. We need each other. Christ is the head. As a Christian, we belong to each other because we all belong to the Lord Jesus. Many times, Christians fail to find their ministry, their place of service, because I try to find it apart from the body of Christ. We need each other. <clears throat> and I am so thankful for a congregation that feels that way, of congregation that uses people, and we, everybody is keenly needed in this congregation. And when I have the attitude, I don't need, need, the other, need other Christians in my life, it is nothing short of sheer pride and arrogancy. I need each, I, we need each other. You know, what if my liver says, you know what, I don't really need the arm, or the arm says, you know what, I really don't need your liver. You know, just out. You know, there's the exit, there's the door, out. Now, how long, do we have any medics in this place? How long could I live without a liver? Timothy, you're halfway up, EMT. Could I live without a liver? No. Probably not. How long could I live? Three days. Three days. Whoa. So that tells you, three days without a liver, I'd be in bad shape. I'd be gone by the end of the week. Those three days are not, good. Days are not what? Good. Oh, and I wouldn't be feeling good. So I wouldn't be much good to the... To the, the, the body wouldn't do very well without the liver. So we need each other. We need and help each other on this road. We don't all have the same, same office in the church. God made us different that we may, that he may, as the Bible says, that he may make us one. You know, one body, it's just like your arms, your legs, your toes, your knees. You know, we are all one. You know, everything put together in this body, and we're just one body. Isn't that how it's supposed to work in a church? You know, all these different offices and different gifts that God has given to us, we make one body. And what a powerful 
what a powerful, um, uh, what word shall you, what a powerful asset when, when it's all working together like it's supposed to. We give and we forgive and, and we forbear and, and we push each other on to a higher goal. <clears throat> okay, I lost my place in my notes. Sorry. God made us all different that we may... Okay, we already talked on that. When, when all different parts are working in, in unity as a body, when all our different parts are working in unity as a body, there is tremendous power. Okay? Here we go, guys. So, this women, this is going to leave you out a little bit. But it's okay. I think you'll be able to say If you take a crankshaft in an engine, okay? That cranks all six, eight pistons are connected to, to this crankshaft. What if one piston says, you know what, or one injector says, you know what, today, uh, time off. I don't feel like working with these other five yin-yangs. What would happen if that one piston decided, you know what, uh, time out, I'm taking the day off. That engine would have a hard time moving forward. We call it a missing engine. You know, we get very concerned when an engine is missing or it isn't ticking right. Why? And that's just an engine. Hello. But when one of our body isn't working right, well, they just need to get their act together. Or, well, you know, we hit blah, blah. It's like, whoa. You know, we need everybody to pull together. When we're all united, it makes a powerful asset in God's kingdom. We will not find our ministry outside the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said before, the Lord Jesus is the head. Principle number three, we are running out of time. The principle number three is the principle of stewardship, taken out of Romans 12, 6 and 8. It talks about the gifts, all these different gifts. In verse 6, it talks about grace. It says, having then gifts differing according to the grace. And if you look that up, it means the charisma, the... um, it means to, uh, in, in Strong's, it, has, it, it means the gift, the grace gift. To, that is, every Christian has a grace gift. That does not mean every Christian is going to, going to have the miracles of speaking in tongues or healing or whatever it is. And while we're on that point, <clears throat> you know, in many times, in churches I hear, in, well, depending who I'm talking about, it is very important that if you're going to be a born-again believer, you have to speak in tongues. And I say this. I'm all for speaking in tongues. I would actually like to see it in this church. I'm just being brutally honest here. And I know maybe sometimes it don't fit your thought process, but it's the way it is. I would like to see it here. But why? But ask, I ask myself this question. Why should I pursue speaking in tongues when I, when I can't control the one tongue I have? Or we can. Why? Why would you do that? Until my tongue is totally surrendered on, on the altar. We got our legs, we got our feet, we got our, bo- we got our bodies on the altar. What about our tongue? Is it on the altar? Or do we have it hanging over a piece of wood? You know? Let us work on controlling the one tongue I have. It's an insult to God to think or to say that He can't use me. And how many times have I went down that alley? God, you... What do I have to offer you? What, do I, what, what is in me that, I, that you can use or do? 
God has crafted me. He has made me. He has formed me. He has saved me. He has given me spiritual life or he has given me spiritual gift or gifts. Use your gift to build and advance God's people, the kingdom on this earth. Here are seven areas of stewardship. The gift of prophecy. Prophecy is the ability to speak things for God. Taken out of 1 Corinthians 14.3. It's used in preaching, mission work, Bible schools, etc., and so forth and so on. The gift of ministry. It's a service to be a servant. Taken out of Romans 12.7. And then there's the gift of teaching. It is very important in the church today, the gift of teaching. And praise God, we got men who here who have the gift of, of teaching. The gift of exhortation is very important also as a gift that God has given to the church. And those people, they encourage God's people in the Lord in soul winning and counseling and so forth. Then you have the gift of giving, giving of time, money, and so forth. The gift of ruling. And that doesn't mean bossing. But this, this gift of ruling has the idea of an organized organization or leadership. You know, we need leadership in our churches, a gift of organization, a gift of leadership is a blessing to the church. Um, these things are we bringing our gifts to the altar, the gift of mercy taken out of tw- Romans 12, 8. All these gifts are needful and necessary in building God's kingdom and building the church. Find out what God, what those gifts that God gave you. You know, as I said here before, you know, when I was growing up, these, the, you know, it wasn't necessary to find what your gifts are until I ran across a man who has become a very close friend of mine. And he sat me down one day and explained why it's important that we know what our gifts are and how we can use them to bring to the altar, to bring to, bring to God's people and use these gifts for God's glory and, and to build God's kingdom. And God wants to use you. And he helped me tremendously to find my way when the way was so dark and cloudy and frustrating and, and all these things to me. And well, God, how can he use even me? And um, all these types of things. And he's been a real asset in my life. <clears throat> Let's put everything on the altar and think with the mind of Christ. The fourth principle, it's 12 o'clock. I got gotcha. you. <clears throat> I'm almost done. The principle of fellowship, taken out of Romans 12 again, verses 13, 9 through 13. Let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation means hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Fellowship in the spirit of love. Do I have the, do I have the spirit of love? When I think about you, is there, there's this agitation in my mind, or is there just nothing but thoughts of love? We have all been called into a ministry, to a ministry of service. There is work for all to do. So if you're sitting under the sound of my voice today, there is work for you to do. Do not go out those doors and think that there is no work for me to do in God's kingdom. God has a job for small, great, old, young. Wherever you're at in life, God has work for you to do. There is jobs for everyone. It, nobody has the monopoly on the, on the kingdom of God. Nobody has the monopoly on what it takes to build God's kingdom. We are all needed. And yes, that means even you and me. God wants you and has something for you to do. In conclusion, Romans 1, chapter, chapter let's read that again. 
I beseech you. God is saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I order to, I, in order to know the will of God in my life, I must first have to know who God is. Do you know who God is? Has God been real to you? Has God answered your prayers in whatever fashion or form? Is God at work in your life? And I challenge you today to call upon Jesus today to transform your minds into the mind of Christ. And then one last verse, and we'll close. It's taken out of John 3. Let's turn to that. This is very important. And I know sometimes... The pastors, the preachers, they use a lot of verses. Ah, we're not going to turn to them. But I think this is very important. <clears throat> we all know this verse, but I'm going to read it anyway. You need to turn to it. <clears throat> John chapter 3, verse, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, if you have that, Verse 17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18, and get this and get it good. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Are you there? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. And thank you for that great love that you shed upon your people, upon the world. And that, Lord, that this morning that we would experience your great love that you have for us, Lord. Lord, i just like to think about it as standing under the Niagara Falls, as the water pours across that, pours across that falls. And, Lord, we're standing there. And we're, in a spiritual sense, Lord, we're standing there. And, ex- and this great love just cascading out of heaven toward humanity. And Lord, that you have a job for us. And Lord, let us never be so pride, proud and arrogant that we have no part in your kingdom. There is no work for me to do. And, there, and Lord, we just go down this wham, 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 wham path. Oh God, just help us get a vision, a passion for the things of God and the things and the jobs that you have us to do. Lord, that the church, that your church, your, your, your kingdom could be pushed on through in these perilous times. And God, help us get that that vision today, tomorrow, and the next week, and on and on, each day, each moment of our lives. And Lord, we just ask for forgiveness where we have complained, like this morning. Lord, as I was complaining to you, and I was giving you all kinds of advice, what, what, what needs to happen, and how this needs to look, and on and on. God, we just ask for forgiveness, that you would just... You would just cover us with your blood. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us a holy people and a living sacrifice that we can lift up our heads and lift up our, lift up our hands to you and, and stand. And that smoking flax that was bent over and smoking, Lord, that that fire can be rekindled. And Lord, as I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they were shucked in that furnace, Lord, and the devil tried to chain them to destroy them. And yet you burned off all the draws and the things that man chained us and put us down, Lord. You burned it all off. And you set them free. You brought them out. And old Nebuchadnezzar himself experienced revival, it almost seems like. And God, that's what we are asking here this morning, Lord, that you would send revival into our hearts. And Lord, we would get a glimpse of 
of who you are. And Lord, that we would stay close to the bottom of the cross. And Lord, when we become discouraged, we come down and out. Lord, that we would look at the cross and we would think about what you have done for the humanity and the sin of humanity. And God, you didn't leave us to stumble around and to walk in this stupor because of we were just flaunted out there in this earth and this world. But God, you've got a job for us to do. And God, give us a vision for the work that you want us to do for us, Lord. And Lord, that this burden in our hearts, Lord, that we would have this pulpit that you have for us to stand in would be in every walk of life and the things that we do for you. And may it be for you and your glory and nothing else and nothing less but for you. Thank you, God, for saving our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.